1: What ghosts lie hidden in the archives of espionage? What story might an unassuming item yield when placed under the right light? I'm Alice Loxton and this is a History of the World in Spy Objects from Spyscape Studios. Choosing just one object from the vaults of espionage history was always going to be a challenge for the man you're about to meet. Justin Jampol is director of the Vendor Museum in Los Angeles. It is home to one of the world's largest collections of Cold War paraphernalia.
0: In some ways, museums are a neutral zone. They can be. They're not always, but they're like a place where things go, where they're waiting to be sorted out.
1: The items that arrive for sorting at the Vendor Museum often do so bereft of backstory and detail. It's up to Justin and his colleagues to decipher their true meaning. The prize for their task is a lens through which they might glimpse the forgotten tradecraft of the Cold War. Let's join Justin for a brisk tour of the museum, shall we? He has a few favorite items from the collection at the ready.
0: The thing I'm looking at right now in my hand is a black pen with a little gold clip that would clip to your pocket, but the lower end of it is missing. There's just a wire coming out of it. It's a wire because it's not a pen, it's a microphone. It's only when you pull the whole thing out, you see that it's not a writing instrument, but in fact it is a piece of surveillance equipment that spies would have used.
1: Like much of the vendor's collection, this cunning little pen just turned up one day at the museum in an anonymous brown box. But the box's postmark offered a clue.
0: It came from Germany because I could see the little stamps on the outside of the box, and it says Deutsche Post. I always race to open boxes from Russia, from Germany, from the Eastern Bloc, because that's where we at the Venom Museum get so much of our material from. I remember the day that I open this because it's not every day that you get a pen that's actually a microphone. There was a note with it. And I remember the note because it was from somebody who wanted to talk and that's not always the case. And I think when you're a spy, that is the formative experience in your life. That is part of your identity. You gotta kind of imagine there's a moment like the fall of the Berlin Wall where everything changes from one day to the next. The whole life that you knew, the government you worked for, the state that you put your life on the line for, is now gone. What does that do to your own sense of identity? And I think what happens to a lot of people is that they can't bear to throw these things away. I've heard this said to me, and in fact, I remember it because it was said to me by the person that gave me this microphone pen that, like, what would it mean if I threw this away? On the one hand, it's a liability. You do not want to have been a spy for the East Bloc in reunified Germany. So you don't want these things around, but like, what does it say about you if you get rid of this stuff?
1: That conflict of duty must have played out in the minds of countless former spies over the years each one attempting to process the collapse of a nation to which they had once sworn their unwavering loyalty. The vendor offers a kind of amnesty for ex-agents who can't stand to destroy the last evidence of their former lives.
0: If you don't quite know what to do with something, people have this instinct to put it in a museum. We're in LA, like we're halfway around the world where this microphone came from. And sometimes I feel like People have this idea that LA might as well be on the moon. But I do think that there's a strong human instinct here to be understood.
1: Put the microphone pen back in its case and follow Justin to another cabinet now.
0: I am staring at the Zenit photo sniper and it looks like a sniper gun that has a camera mounted to the top. And the job of the Zenit photo sniper was to take long-distance pictures. It literally has like a gun handle and a trigger, and that trigger took the picture. And you could actually, not unlike an automatic machine gun, you could actually lay your finger on that trigger and the thing would just go... And would like snap a hundred pictures in a row. It looks like a weapon.
1: If knowledge is power, then such a camera was a weapon of sorts. Something its designers appear to have recognized implicitly.
0: It comes in like this metal case that once again looks like it could have held four grenades or something, but instead it was like a sniper gun on the inside. It's the kind of thing that you would see the two people in trench coats exchanging a paper or something, and it would be like a black and white photo, and they'd be like looking around to see if anybody's watching.
1: Such ingenious objects challenge any stereotypes one might carry about inferior Soviet knockoffs. The truth is more complicated.
0: What's also sort of sad is how well made it it is. It's sad because this is a time, especially in the former East Bloc, where consumer products were not well made. A lot of them were plastic or fell apart. So when you see a Soviet made object like this one that's made for spies and it's like heavy and it's made from top grade materials and metal, you see where the resources were going, where their money was being spent.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify One last item before closing time.
0: This particular briefcase, which the museum got about 10 years ago from a former agent, he was told to destroy it in the waning days of the Cold War. And of course, when you got a briefcase like this, you keep it. And he did and gave it to the museum.
1: And it's just as well he did because contained within that briefcase is a window to an entire forgotten industry.
0: And this was a case that was used all throughout the 1980s by a spy that would cross back and forth between the former East Bloc in Austria and Western Germany. And he would just create these little passes and he would know how to put together a visa with a new name. And he said he could get it down to about 15 minutes.
1: To be in the business of espionage or counter espionage at that time in history meant constantly staying ahead of your opponent's technological advances.
0: Like as soon as the East Bloc spy agencies like De Stasi in East Germany would start to think or believe that the West was onto them, they created new equipment so they would keep trying to stay one step ahead of the other.
1: To think the thousands of hours of toil, the endless end-to-end game of innovation all in the name of secrecy and deception.
0: But this is sort of, to me, a relic. I mean, it's a relic of not only of of spying, but when the world was so divided that like, these passports and visas, like they were the keys to the kingdom. You didn't get out without these things. And it's amazing to me what people were willing to die for, and this would have been like uh, treason, a state crime. This is the 1980s, like, you know, That's not long ago. And in the grand scheme of human history, that's like yesterday, it's a blink of an eye. And like this briefcase was used by some spy, like picking up one of these pencils and putting together his visa to try to sneak across a border. Like that is a super cold war spy story. So to have this in the collection is a reminder of how history is in the process of being made. There's always a time in which the past becomes history. And this is really recent. If we lived only 30, 40 years ago, like this kind of thing would be fought over by the CIA. People could be in prison, even be killed to get their hands on a briefcase like this one.
1: That's it. It's time for the vendor to shut its doors for the day. But that doesn't always mean an end to the day's business. Not in this line of work.
0: So a crazy thing happened to me. One day, I'm at the Venda Museum here in LA, and I get a knock at the door, and it's off museum hours, so it's strange. It's like six or seven o'clock at night, everyone's about to go home. I got a knock on the door. There were three CIA agents that came, and they're like, hey, can we talk to you for a second to show me their little CIA cards and their badge? I'm like, yes? Why is the CIA here? And they said, well, we heard that you have a lot of spy stuff. And we don't wanna try to hide that, the Cold War is over, right? Like we're a museum, we have spy stuff. We'd like to take a look at it. And so my immediate response was like, why is the CIA interested in what happened in the Cold War like at this point 20, 25 plus years ago? They're like, well, first of all, we wanna make sure that we didn't miss anything. Like we wanted to keep tabs on everything and kind of just have a full understanding of what their spy capacity was.
1: An exercise in nostalgic inventory then, an opportunity to put the past well and truly in its place. The thing about this world is the past is never truly over and done with.
0: The second reason is something that really struck me, and it kind of still stays with me when I look at spy gear, is that he said to me, you know, it was state of the art when it was made by the Soviet Union. When they were done with it, they gave it to Eastern Europe. When they were done, the Eastern Europeans gave it to their allies in the Middle East. When they were done, they gave it to their allies in Sub-Saharan Africa or South America. And he's like, these things are still being used. And I think that's probably one of the craziest things of all.
1: The encounter with the CIA reinforced something Justin Jampol, as a Cold War historian, understood implicitly. It's why he got into this business in the first place.
0: I sometimes think about, as we all do in life, why do we do what we do? Like, why am I here? Like, why Why this museum? And I think I have to say that like, part of the why is that because it's not yet in the past. If there's something that we can glean and understand from these things about the world we live in now, as a historian, like what more rewarding end is there? what if the past is still with us?
1: I'm Alice Loxton. More secrets await in the next episode of A History of the World in Spy Objects from Spyscape Studios. If you like this podcast, please give it a five-star rating or leave a review Ratings and reviews help other people discover the series and help us bring you more episodes like this one. Or why not forward the podcast to a friend? And thank you for listening.